Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. If you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bible in front of you, that can be found on page uh, 1036, 1037. Again, I'll be reading from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in, in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will reap also. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, uh, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here, and we want to be an encouragement to you. It's an exciting day for us as a congregation. As you probably have already caught on today, for us is Missions Emphasis Day. And we're thankful that we have the opportunity to be involved in caring and being uh, concerned and involved in the work of souls every day of our life. And so today in some sense is no different than any other day, but in another sense it is. We want to bring more information for all of us to share. We want to focus and really decide how is it that we can be better involved and greater effective in the Lord's kingdom. And we're thankful for the opportunities that God has given us. If you will, and you're sitting on the end of one of the pews, you're going to see that there are bookmarks about the various mission works that we're involved in on several continents. If you will, take one and pass them down, and when they reach the other end, if you'll take the extras and just stack them in the end of the pew so that the, those are part of the late service can do the very same thing. You'll notice on the front of the bookmark this year, the emphasis is on the work that we do in Ukraine, but you'll notice also on the back that all the other works that we sponsor heavily, uh, they also are mentioned along with contact information uh, for the various missionaries. You'll also notice at the bottom of the back of the bookmark, there are several mission trips that we are sponsoring and leading as a congregation. And we would hope that if you have not been on a mission trip, uh, that a short-term mission trip is something that you would consider if you think that that's uh, something that, that you would enjoy and you've never done that before, uh, give that some thought and, and give that some prayer and consideration and learn about that. There are several wonderful opportunities and the need is there. Uh, the need is there. So be sure and let us know how you can be involved in that. Uh, of course, we've already taken up a collection in this service and we are thankful that uh, when we think about 
the work in Ukraine and the opportunity that God has placed before us that in the early 90s, a preacher from here and several ladies were able to go over and to plant literally the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And a congregation was established in Krasnormysk, Ukraine. And here's a picture of several that here 19 years later continue to meet. They continue to be faithful and we are thankful for this congregation. We love our brothers and sisters in Christ there. I want to remind you of of the words of Matt Brown when he described that little bucket that sat in the corner of the room there uh, where it was labeled for them to have a building fund. And when he said, there was not a great deal of money in this jar and honestly, I doubt there ever will be unless fellow brothers and sisters are willing to help. This jar and money was more than a building fund to these people. It was a symbol of hope. They need a building. They want a building. They want a building for the purpose to be able to do the work of the Lord better, to be used as a tool, to have room to invite people to come, to have a location that people could know about. Janice Beckham said it this way. She said, they love God's word. And when we take a look here at Sasha and his family, I'd like for you to think about the man who, who teaches this congregation. I'd like for you to, to think about uh, how he tries to reach out in the community. And this is a description She says, they love God's word and they want the truth preached. They are to the point where there's no more room to grow. And a building would also be much more inviting to the community. Think of something we take for granted so oftentimes. They also could have a sign so that people could know where they meet and when they meet. We talked a lot last week of all the opportunities we have uh, to be involved in this great work, but especially today to be involved through giving. And if you want to give more in the future, perhaps you were not here last Sunday and this kind of caught you off guard, please notice that scattered throughout uh, the cards in the back of the pew in front of you should probably be some of the yellow envelopes. And so if that is something that you want to give to later, please put the funds there. And our hope and our prayer is that we would be able to collect enough that we would be able to be able to be a part of the answer of their prayer to God uh, to have a place to meet. Also a part of this day of Missions Emphasis Day, it is a day to report When we think about Acts the 14th chapter, and go ahead to the next slide. When we think about Acts the 14th chapter, we see the first missionary journey, and that's what we label that particular trip of Paul and Barnabas. When they came back into the congregation that sent them out, they gave a report of the work. Listen, it is so important for us to know the work and to know it so much more than just the dollars that are needed or the dollars that are sent. We need to know the work. We need to know who we're praying for and and what they need us to pray about. We need to know what else they need other than just dollars and cents. What is it that we can do by going? What is it that we can do by staying and sending? What is it that we can do? That's the reason that in Bible class, all of the adult classes will meet here in the auditorium and we'll hear a report about the work in Ukraine. Tonight we'll hear about a, a report of the work in Sudan. And that's why we take the time to do that is because we need to know about those works. But second, I'd like for you to see that today is a day about encouraging. 
It is a day for us not only to send money, but it's a day for us to encourage the missionaries and the people that are at the mission points, our brothers and sisters in Christ that are there. I hope everybody here is a part of a Sunday morning Bible classes. Your Sunday morning Bible classes over the next couple of weeks are going to be gathering care packages. I want you to realize it's not just to send expensive gifts. The truth is that's not the emphasis at all. The emphasis is to take the time to send something that would be encouraging. Take the time as a class or as individuals to write notes, to do and to send things that they would receive and it would fire them up to know that there are Christians that love and appreciate them and are walking with them in some form, shape or fashion to encourage them in the work that they're involved in. Also, I'd like for you to note this. This is a day that we hope and we have tried for years for it to be a day that will encourage all of us to take short-term mission trips and also long-term mission trips. I hope that there are some eight and nine-year-olds in this audience that today they hear something that is said about mission work that they think to themselves perhaps for the first time, I want to be a missionary. I hope that there are some teenagers here that, that they will set their heart when they hear various works to say, I want to be a missionary. I hope that we have couples here that, that will say to us one day, we're going to move from Mount Juliet and we're going to go to a place somewhere else in the United States and we want to be a part of a church plant. I hope that there's couples here that will say, we're moving to another country. We want to take the gospel. Listen, I do not believe that the Word of God teaches that every one of us need to move to a foreign place in order to fulfill what God's plan is for us. But out of a crowd this size, yes. There would definitely be individuals in a crowd this size that God is giving you the opportunity. God has given you the abilities. And we hope that if God has given you the heart for that, that we just nurture that today. We want to be not only a church that goes, but we want to be a church that sends. We want to be able to raise up people that we can send out all over America and all over the world to take the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important than someone's soul. What can we do to reach other souls? But then also on our list here, one of the things we always want to accomplish on Missions Emphasis Day is we want to really spend a lot of time in prayer. And this year, we're going to have a time set aside at 530. And we would hope and expect everybody to be a part of the prayers that will be offered this day. You'll notice here on this slide, and it is also on the back of your Sunday bulletin, that there are various rooms where the prayers for those 20 minutes will be offered for a specific work. And we hope that you would pick one that for some reason it has great meaning to you, that particular mission work. And we hope that you would go and be a part of that period and that time of prayer. And obviously we hope that we all would be praying about this year round. Also on the back of your bulletin, you'll note that right beside this same list is also a list of the rooms that will have child care. And so if your children are young enough that, that uh, it would benefit you for them to have child care during this 20 minutes of prayer, that is available. And we uh, look forward to being together tonight at 530 uh, to be a part of this time of prayer when truly I would expect that would be the greatest difference we'd make today in everything that we do. Giving birth and raising up the one that was born 
has never been easy. There's a reason why they call that birthing process labor. And for any of us here that have had children, whether by birth or by adoption, you know that there's a lot of energy. There's a lot of expense. There's a lot of heart that is involved in raising a child. But you know, that's not just true physically. That's true spiritually. If we're going to be a part of the birthing process where souls are brought into a saved and a right relationship with God, where literally they are adopted into God's family, they're born again through baptism. If we're going to be a part of that, we've got to realize that it's always labor and it's always hands-on and it's always expensive and it's always going to require sacrifice. Just like any of us that raise children, we say, well, of course it is. We love them. They're worth it. We'd do it again if we had it all to do over again. Do you have that same heart? Do you have that same investment? Do you have that same commitment and focus when it comes to raising spiritual children for the glory of God? Wednesday night, we read this passage. And then as I studied more the rest of the week, I thought that is the passage to begin this sermon. I'd like to remind you as we're going through our mailbox series of studying the various epistles, I'd like to remind you here as we're doing our study this week in Galatians, the fifth and the sixth chapter, I'd like to take you back to something you've been reading this past week in the fourth chapter in verse 19 and 20. And notice how Paul describes his relationship with the people of Galatia. He says in Galatians, the fourth chapter, 19 and 20, my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Notice that, I labor in birth again, how long? Until Christ is formed in you. I was there when you were born the first time. Paul traveled through Galatia and he taught them the good news of Jesus Christ. And they were baptized into Christ. They were born into Christ. And he goes on his way and continues, but he doesn't lose touch with them. And he finds out that Judaizing teachers have come in and the false teachers have taught false teaching. And the people have been overtaken in that and they're, they're falling away from Jesus Christ. And in the first chapter of verse six, he says, I marvel that you're doing that. But he doesn't say, I marvel and I'm giving up on you. He says, I marvel that you're doing that and I'm coming back involved in your life again. And I'm going to get right back there in the middle, if you will, of the birthing process again. In other words, I'm going to get involved in labor with you again. I'm invested in you again. We can't plant a church in the early 90s in a place and think that we'll leave and not look back. How long does it take for Christ to be formed in an individual and in a congregation? How long do we need help and support from others? I don't know any Christian on this earth that doesn't need help and support in some form or fashion from others. And so here, Paul writes to the people of Galatia and for five chapters, he's come at them pretty straightforward. As a matter of fact, you see there in, in the last part of that verse 20, where he says, I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. He literally has written so straightforward, at times a little bit harsh is what I think he feared that he had come across. That he says, I want to be able to come to you and I want to be able to come to you with a different tone. 
But you see what he does for five chapters is he lays out how serious the situation is for them as they are starting to leave Christ. And then we come to the sixth chapter. And the sixth chapter, the text that was just so capably read a few moments ago, you notice it's almost like what he is implying is this. I'm not the only one that needs to be concerned about bringing souls back. In verse one, it's as if, or it is that he is saying, others of you that are spiritual that live there in Galatia, you need to be concerned about bringing souls back also. And there's an important principle that we need to get as it relates to Missions Emphasis Day and there's an important direct teaching as it relates to everything that we are as Christians. Look with me, if you will, again to Galatians the 6th chapter. Galatians the 6th chapter in verse 1. Notice where he says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So those who are spiritual, in other words, those who are stronger. Now keep in mind, if you back up just a few verses in your Bible, you're right at the heart of describing the life of someone who lives a spirit-led life is what the scripture says. They produce the fruit of the spirit in their life. If you go back up just a few verses before that, he talks about when a person lives a life who is led by the flesh. They live a life that their life produces all the works of the flesh. And so see what he's doing here is he's saying, those of you that are spiritual, there, there is a responsibility you have just beyond yourself. Look around to those who are overtaken in a trespass. What can you do to help lift up to restore the ones that have been overtaken? Now the idea of trespass is, is the very idea of like to slip or to step aside. In other words, imagine if the Lord says, I want you to stand right here. And you trespass this idea that you slip or step aside. And the Lord said, no, 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 don't leave me. Don't trespass. Come back to where I've asked you to stand. But now this is real interesting to me. He says, if you've been overtaken in a trespass. Now I'm not saying that this is the only way it applies, but what he seems to be directly teaching in this text is that a lot of the folks there that have gotten off the course they were off the course, but they didn't mean to be. They were overtaken. They didn't willfully decide, oh, Paul came and he taught us about Jesus Christ. We want to rebel against Jesus Christ. And so intentionally, we're going to leave Jesus Christ and we're going to trespass. That would be trespassing. Even if it's willful, it's trespass. If it's not willful, it's trespass. But when he puts overtaken with the trespass, it paints the picture where Paul is saying, I really feel for these people. They didn't mean to be overtaken. Literally, overtaken means to take in advance. Isn't that interesting the way you think about it as it falls into this text? They have been taken in advance the idea of taking in advance is it's the idea of before you had the opportunity to. Let, let me give you an example. In 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, that's where they had distorted the Lord's Supper into something that it totally should not have been. 
And so you remember what they were doing in, in 1 Corinthians 11th chapter and in 21. Let me read for you just real quick. It's going to have the same Greek word here. It's overtaken, except it's not going to use that word. And what they were doing was the wealthy people were gathering Apparently, now this is implied with what is here, but definitely a group was doing it. It appears to be the wealthy people. They were gathering and they were eating this huge feast and they were doing it intentionally before the poorer people arrived. And so when the poor people arrived, you can imagine they were thinking, oh, a big supper. And they're like, sorry, it's all gone. And so the meal was all gone in advance to the poor people. They didn't have the opportunity. The opportunity had come in advance. And, and this is the way it's read. In uh, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty one, for in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others. And one is hungry and another is drunk. And the idea, the idea is we have some that are full, they're drunk. We have others that it was taken ahead of them. And that's this word for overtaken. It was taken in advance. The poor are coming. Where's our meal? Oh, it's been taken in advance. Well, how does this work for these individuals? Listen, I don't know if this exactly is what Paul is saying here. You study the scriptures and see if you can figure out what he's saying. But I think the reason he may be choosing this word overtaken is they were not at the point spiritually in their maturity that they were ready for such temptation. Now, I also know that God does not allow a temptation to come upon us than what we're able to stand. So I'm not saying they had no fault here. I'm just saying there's a reason why Paul used the word overtaken. And it's almost as if Paul is saying, look around you, brethren. Those are you that are more spiritual. There are others around you that they have not yet grown to that point of spirituality that when the temptation come, they were not ready and they were overtaken before they had the opportunity to make their stand. He's not washing their hands for themselves of this. He's just pointing out the fact that, look, somebody that's strong needs to reach down and help these people up. Now, I believe that Verse one is all about the spiritual life in our soul. But I want to give you an application. Isn't it interesting that in Krasnormisk that they have a need that has come in advance of their opportunity to fulfill it? They don't have the means to fulfill an opportunity that has overtaken them. And that's probably one reason why they have been so prayerful for so many years, asking God to be able to bless them with the means to be able to fulfill this opportunity that came in advance of the resources that they had. Well, what's the principle here in the sixth chapter in verse one? When somebody's been overtaken, those that are strong ought to be the ones that help answer and pull up those who are overtaken. Today, in a financial sense, in the work of the Lord's church, 
We have the opportunity to fulfill this very principle in Galatians 6 and 1. And it's exciting because even though it's financial, it's for the work of the kingdom. And that's a beautiful thing. And we can see that as we read down. But let's go back now again to Galatians, the sixth chapter. And I'm going to have to move on a little quicker because I want you to see this picture here. And so if you got your Bibles open, let's, let's look at this together. Let's go back to Galatians uh, 6 and 2. Now notice, not only is he saying that if they've been overtaken and fallen, we need to, to uh, help them. Them, but notice in Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The idea of a burden is, is, is the idea of something that is a weight. It literally could have been translated weight. So I want you to picture, he says, people have weights in their life. And he says, what I want you to do is bear them. Now notice, he didn't say, I want you to sympathize with them. He didn't say, I want you to observe them. I want you to talk about, I want you to put a committee together. He says, I want you to bear. And the only way the word bear is used is to carry. So here's someone who has a weight that is killing them. And the Lord says, I want you to carry their weight. If all of us, have seen individuals go through airports with suitcases or, or boxes or whatever it may be that they have more weight than what they can possibly move with. And then the idea is, is somebody going to bear their burden for them? I'm sure some of you have probably been in a situation similar to that we were in at one particular time on a mission trip and we had a gate change. And as they announced the gate change, it, I forget which airport, we were in a big airport, whichever one it was, it was a long way away. And before they told us to leave, the gate was packed full of people. And they said, the crew that is going to fly us out, if we get out, they time out in 20 minutes. And you're looking at, at two or 300 people here. Said, if you can't, load the plane and be moving in 20 minutes, you're here overnight. Have you ever seen two or 300 people of every age run like a 10 or 12 minute sprint in five minutes? Now keep in mind, if everybody's not there, the plane doesn't take off. So you know where I'm going with this, right? You didn't take off running on your own. You looked around for the weak ones. And it was amazing to me how many people helped strangers because they knew they weren't going to get home that night if they didn't help the weakest ones. And so you would see the elderly, you would see somebody run by someone that was elderly trying to carry carry-on bags and they would turn back and they'd say, let me carry your bags for you. And, and, and what you saw, were the strong ones were all the ones carrying the bags and everybody to the best of their ability was running. And the weak, were running with nothing in their hands. And the strong was running with everything. Bear, lift up one another's weight. What is it that you could do with somebody in your life right now that if you just carried some weight for them, their spiritual life would be stronger? But the reality is there's some burdens 
that can't be shared. Some people think when we go to the sixth chapter in verse five that it's a conflict, that these verses are contradictory to each other. Because when you read verse five, he says, for each one shall bear his own burden. He's saying, well, wait a minute. Verse two said bear your own. And now he says you have to bear your own and you can't bear someone. He didn't say you can't bear someone else's. What is he saying here? There are burdens that you can share, but there are burdens you cannot share. Listen, we can go through a long list of things you can't share, but notice on this next slide. And let's just mention a few things that you can't share. Acts the second chapter in verse 40. You can't share the responsibility you have to make a decision to become a Christian. In Acts, the second chapter, there were 3,000 people that responded that day to become Christians. But note this, every one of them had to bear their own burden that day of making the decision, I want to come to Christ. I want to be baptized into Christ for the remission of my sins. And that's why he could say, save yourselves from this untoward generation. How many times have all of us thought about individuals that we wish we could save? I have friends that I wish I could save. I would go and do whatever I would need to do if I could save their soul. I'm mindful of Moses when he tried to negotiate with God and he wanted Israel to be saved. And at that moment, it wasn't looking very good for Israel because of their rebellion against God. And Moses said, take my name out of the book of life and save them. And God said, it doesn't work that way. Each person is responsible. Listen, there's temptation that you and I face each day and nobody else can overcome that temptation for us. That's a burden we have to bear. Are we going to remain committed to God? As you look to this next slide, I'd like for you to see that when we look in scriptures, there are three burdens or three ways that we can look at bearing burdens. Look at Galatians 6 and 2. We can bear each other's burdens. There's some burdens that can be shared. Look at Galatians 6 and 5. There's some burdens that can't be shared. And then we read, for example, like 1 Peter, the 5th chapter and verse 7. He says, cast your care upon me. Now, this is God speaking. Cast your care upon me for I care for you. All of our burdens can be taken care of under those three things. God will walk with us. He will make sure that there's not more put upon us than what we can stand. God will put other people in our life to share that burden with us when it's things that can be shared. But then there's also the time that I have to say, I'm responsible for me. And whatever burdens can't be shared, I'll take responsibility for those burdens. So where does this leave us? I'd like to read Galatians 6, 6, 7, and 8. And I know our time is gone, so I'm just going to read this and make quick comments, and, uh, and we'll close. But I'd like for you to see this. I think this is powerful, especially as it pertains to today and what we're involved in right now as a congregation. Galatians 6 and verse 6. Let him who is taught the word share, and that's the word for contribution, that's the word for give that oftentimes is used to give financially. And that's what he's talking about here. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. The point is this simple. I wish I had time to elaborate, but the point is this simple. God is saying, if the work of the kingdom is going to continually be shared, somebody is going to have to support it financially. And of course, God's plan is for everybody to do their share. Now look at verse 7. Do not be deceived. It's easy for Satan to sell us lies on this. God is not mocked. 
For whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So notice, he sets this up by saying, do you want the kingdom work to spread? Are you willing to invest in it? Well, how, how do you want me to invest, Lord? How do you want to receive back? How do you want the kingdom to produce a harvest? You give just a little bit to the kingdom work and the kingdom will get just a little bit of a harvest. You want to give generously to the kingdom work? The kingdom can have an amazing harvest. And then notice this next verse. It's powerful. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. And that goes back to Galatians 5. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And so what he's saying is you can live a fleshly life or you can leave, live a life that produces the fruit of the Spirit. You can live a life where you say, and now he's bringing it into the sixth chapter. And then he says, you can live a life so you're concerned about whether or not other people have the opportunity to learn about the Lord. And he says, or you can live a life where you say, I love the flesh. Have you ever noticed about fleshly living costs money? You ever notice material things cost money? You ever notice that it costs money to bar hop? I hope you haven't noticed that, but it does. Have you ever noticed that it costs money to go bass fishing? Have you ever noticed that it costs money to be serious about scrapbooking? Have you ever noticed anything about this earth, you're going to have to make an investment in it. Now what if every investment you make is fleshly? Lord says, all right, make your fleshly investments, but it's not going to do any good for the kingdom. If you want a spiritual harvest in the kingdom, you're going to have to make spiritual investments. And that is in the three verses where he's talking about finances. And so, verse 9, he says, Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. This morning, Let's be steady. I don't know what that word means to you. But to me, that word communicates a mouthful and a life full. God isn't looking for you and I to make some big splash today about a Ukrainian work and then forget about it next week and next month and this year. I hope that everybody here has given sacrificially to the Lord's kingdom today. But I hope that everybody tomorrow is just as concerned about souls as they are today. That we're steady. Don't grow weary in well-doing. There can be a great reaping for the kingdom's sake if we don't lose heart. There's nothing quite as sad as seeing somebody lose heart. Have you seen a ball game where one team is actually defeated before the game is over? It's not a pretty picture to see people lose heart. God's people, we don't have any reason to lose heart. We have every reason to be wholehearted, to have hearts that are on fire for God. If our focus and our life and our faith is right, We've got more to celebrate and look forward to than anybody on the earth. This morning, if we can help you in any way to be faithful, to be steady, to be born, or to be born again if you need to come back and, and to respond and, and need prayers of restoration, we want to encourage you and help you in any way, in every way that we